Welcome to the Scariest Things Podcast, your gateway to the trends and tropes of the horror genre. This is episode 172, and we're talking about our neighbors to the north, Canadian horror. Take off, eh? Hello, eh? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Liz Williams, and I'm joined by... Eric Lee. And Mike Campbell, you hosers. <laughs> you make my Much toque, closer eh? to Canada than me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super close to Canada. Oh, sure. Yeah. Five yeah. five hours, eh? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like Canadian horror, just go watch Letterkenny. There you go. Exactly. Canadian yeah. stuff there. Yeah. Or Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. <laughs> so... Or all I, John Candy movies. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think it it is remarkable how many of, of movies that end up coming we come across are actually Canadian and American films. So because yeah. if you look it up, it's like oh that was a lot of them are filmed in Canada, right? But I think I think right. what we're we're going to be going for are things that sort of touch on the essence of being a Canadian horror film. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Canada Canada was kind of like the Philippines in the 1960s and 70s where all the exploitation films went. In the 1980s, everybody in a pre, pre-Vancouver, which obviously became the hotspot for filming mm-hmm. everything in the 1990s and 2000s, in the 1980s, everything got filmed in Canada because it was just cheaper, eh? Cheap. It was so cheap. Dolly. Yeah, yeah. You can get your crewlers and you know a six, a sixer, and you know you're off to the races in Canada. Uh, no, it, it was su- Yeah, it was super cheap, and so that's why I think to your point, Eric, that's why everybody went up there. It was they could, they could do it. It was on the cheap. It, you know, and then they could bring it back to the states and release it. And nobody knows cheap like horror movie directors. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And half of Canada, you can double for you know most of you know uh, the United States. Although yeah. every time or that they try and else. make Toronto look like New York, it's like it's too clean. Right. <laughs> or Vancouver, yeah. make right. it look like New York. Where's that there's, pizza rat? Yeah, there's, there's mountains. It's like I just like you can't. But but. Uh, yeah, Lord knows. Uh, I mean, it still it still exists today, but now it's actually a much more professional. The the mm-hmm. Van, the, the the Vancouver recording scene is um, it's it's got to be like fourth in or third or fourth in, in like after Hollywood and Mumbai. It's got to be way up there for record for and Atlanta, for, Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta, yeah, 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 yeah. The Hollywood of the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they don't. Used to they be don't us, have. And then they took it. From us. Yeah, but that, they that, don't that, have pizza rat. They have poutine rat. Poutine rat. Oh my god, that's probably like. A have very you ever had poutine? Nice. I've had ve- I had veggie poutine in Toronto, and it was damn good. Yeah, I, I, I just, I've never been it, to the east coast of Canada. I've only been to Vancouver and Whistler. It was not. I did not have vegan poutine. I had the veggie poutine because I did have the cheese curds on it. Yeah, it was just Is the, it even poutine if the, it's not. The gravy was was veggie. Veggie gravy, cheese curds. I mean, traditionally, is it like a sausage gravy? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Meats. Yes. Yeah, Meats. it's like uh, I'm pretty sure it's a beef. Yeah. I think it's a beef gravy. I, yeah, on yeah. French fries. I, I think it's okay to <laughs> pour the calories curds. on if With you're a Canadian curds. because you gotta you gotta get some insulation for those cold winters. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's a good way to sop up all that beer you just drank. Yep. <laughs> so Liz, what do what? they drink? Molson, Labatt. Oh, yeah, that's Molson. right. Oh, I have a Molson, eh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get killed by our Canadian audience. I know. Uh, so, Liz, when you when you went hunting for movies uh, of, mm-hmm. of Canadian Canadian origin, what were the kinds of things that you were looking for? Well, I knew 
Uh, one off the top of my head because there's a pretty prolific Canadian director and then <laughs> my favorite Canadian actor. <laughs> the, the, uh, it's not David Cronenberg. Oh, oh, okay. Because this this also one. could be called the David Cronenberg. Yeah. Uh, uh, convention here. This you I know, have you, no Cronenberg. Okay. I, Cronenbergless. Yeah. I I was I was the same way. I was like, this is kind of like uh, talking about Halloween films without talking about Halloween. This is talking right. about Canadian right. films without talking about David Cronenberg. I got a Cronenberg. <laughs> okay, so we'll, I we'll do not touch have on a Cronenberg, that. But I have one of my other favorite directors who doesn't do too much horror. Um, I have his most horrific, and it's like more of a thriller, but definitely had to be included i have a very very polarizing new film uh that's canadian and then i have one of my favorite slasher flicks from the 80s yeah so we're doing we're also doing a canadian uh survey without martyrs showing up it sounds like that's right martyrs is a co-production uh and we've talked martyrs to death canada right 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 i've got canadian directors majority canadian casts Filmed in Canada. It looks like Canada. Well, except for one because it's not outside. Um, it's just Canada. I mean, I don't know what else like makes Canada. I, Since you know, Canada I, seems to be a knockoff for everywhere else. Uh, <laughs> oh, which hey, is like a now. truly Canadian. Oh, I, I mean, know. when they're filming, every place, like what we say, like, oh, where's that? It's Canada. Yeah. It's Canada. Yeah. Right, you had so to have, uh, I don't mean ma- to knock off as a bad place, Canadians. They you had to have, get mad at me because they're very polite. But. Mm. Maple syrup, an axe, and a flannel shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that could those. also be like Buffalo, New York. You know, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and, and a toque. And a toque, eh? Like a, a Mountie. So, you know, I think most of the ones that I have, um, you know, the, there, were, there were some themes that I, I went for. Cold and snowy. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, think yeah. That, that that feels Canadian. Vast and isolated. Yep. I think is yep. another thing when you think yep. about I got Canada cold and in snow Washington. and two out of three. Um, yeah. And then you know, I also went culturally relevant, clearly identified as Canadian. Okay. Uh, you know, that the, they they call out that we're in, I'm we're in a Canadian city. Right, 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 um, right. So those are the those are some things that I wanted to make sure that I, I keyed in on and any of mine actually mention what city they are in. They do or they don't. I don't think they do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a yeah. No, I don't really think they do. So Liz, why don't you go ahead and you you lead off? What have All we got? All right. Then I'm going to start my three in order of release date, mm-hmm. and I am going to pick the 1983 Canadian slasher film Curtains. Oh yeah. Yes. I, I, I watched this last year. Oh, I love Curtains. Okay. So good. Yeah. It's I, so good. It's so bad. It's so good. You're gonna have to school me on curtains. I, this one. You've t- never I'm, seen curtains. I've not seen curtains. I guarantee you. You've seen the poster. I guarantee you've seen the gif of the old oh, woman yeah. ice skating. With, uh, ice with, skating with, with the, the scythe. Knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, so, ice skates. Okay. There you go. That's super Canadian. Yeah, oh, totally. It's, uh, it's outside and it's cold. So it's uh, directed by Richard Kupka. Kupka. Uh, it's a screenplay by Robert Guza, and it stars Canadian actor John Keith Vernon. Uh, yeah. British actress. Uh, uh-huh. Samantha Egger, Linda Thorson, who is uh, Canadian, and Lynn Griffin, Canadian, and Leslie Donaldson, Canadian. And this is a, about the IMDb plot summary is, 
Entering an asylum to prepare for a movie role, a young woman is double-crossed and left behind by her director. With six new starlets auditioning for her role at a remote mansion, a mass murderer seeks revenge. <laughs> so this movie is ridiculous. It's so full of 80s. It's, you know, just a bunch of like sexy starlets in a mansion to get that part. It's a legit casting couch that then goes okay. horribly, horribly wrong. Um, and yes, Mike is exactly right. You've seen the gif of the ice skating, like hag looking woman with the scythe who is going to kill the beautiful starlet. And one by one, heads start to roll. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> this film took about three years to get made because there were uh, problems what? between the director and the uh, producer. And then it ended up, um, the director ended up not being credited. He was credited under a pseudonym after it finally got made. It's inspired by Giallo films, and uh, the director envisioned it as an art house thriller, while the producer wanted a more straightforward slasher film. So that was their con conflict. I think, it took, yeah, approximately two years. I think the producer won this. out on that one. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> yeah. not an art there's, film. There's nothing arty about it. <laughs> not at all. So this sounds like what, it was like a two-week shoot, three-year, three-year yeah, caught, caught in the process. Yeah, they had to get Dean Wormer. That was the that was the real pull. <laughs> Getting Dean oh, Wormer. Right I mean, on. that's, yeah, well, as soon as I saw that, I mean. Animal House. You, you see Dean Wormer. John Vernon, and you're like, yeah, this is this film is from 1983 for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So it premiered actually in the United States, but then got released in Ottawa, and um, it had largely negative reviews from the critics. Uh, <laughs> but what? No. <laughs> it earned one million dollars, and but then it developed a cult following. That's how I came to see it, thanks to my friend Todd. And you know, it's been restored and put on blu-ray so if you have not seen curtains tons and tons of um snow snowmobile mm -hmm. never, you know so it's, it's set in canada i guess essential canadian really Re remote lake cabin yeah okay. well yeah. mansion mansion it's a, yeah it's a mansion. mansion um because <laughs> how else could you fit the five ladies in there that's right um, <laughs> Multiple <laughs> casting calls at the same time. Right. At the same time. Uh-huh. Um, perfect. Yeah. It's really Nothing. bad. It's, it's really bad. It's, so, it's a so bad it's, it's good. It's so good. Okay. Yes. All yes. Right. It's so bad it's good. I think it's canon horror, so I'm surprised you haven't seen it, Eric. Curtains, I knew no. Mike would see it. Oh, yeah. So Hell, yeah. Yeah. Add curtains to your list. There's no bottom to Mike's, to, to Mike's that's well. True. There is not. Right. Absolutely And you've probably not. seen the poster. You Google that later, and I guarantee you. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. You've definitely seen the poster. Yeah, it has like a, like a face and like a little girl pulling apart the curtains and it looks like they're like coming down from the face. We will post the poster to the website yeah, we, we under the poster. posters, movie posters we love. Okay. We do love yeah. this poster. It's a good one. I like it, yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eric, yeah. Eric's down. He's okay. down it's, with curtains. You can picture the box in the video store. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I stayed away from this for so many years. Because uh, it's not good. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't give me shit if the first time you saw it was last year. Come on. <laughs> Maybe the year before. I think I it was, probably it was first a saw it two years ago. It was a COVID thing. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's actually so funny you should say that 
very quick story is that this is the last film I watched with people. It was March 2020. It was with Gwen, okay. our friend Todd. Gwen was in town, and we were like, are we supposed to be wearing masks? Are they going to be able to get home? Like, we didn't know what was going on, so we felt like we were having, like, a very, uh, you know, in-secret get-together to all watch Curtains. Good way to start go. COVID. Yep, yep, good. it was a good way. Good. Yeah. So, Cuddle up. Curtains. Watch Curtains. Cuddle yeah. up with Dean Wormer. All right, I am going to talk about a film from 1977 that is also new to me, thanks to Shudder. Uh, this just recently popped up on Shudder, and it is one that I had stayed away from, not because I had any uh, inkling as to what it was uh, or what it wasn't. I didn't know a whole heck of a lot about it, other than some people had billed it as a sort of low-rent deliverance. Uh, this is the 1977 Canadian horror thriller film directed by Peter Carter, starring Hal Holbrook. Yeah, that Hal Holbrook. Oh. This is also was released uh, in Canada as The Creeper, but the name you may know it under is Rituals. This film, I'm here to tell you, I think is better than Deliverance. Whoa. No joke. But is it still the same uh quote unquote twist as deliverance is it no it's getting okay it's uh same setup but it's got a horror element to it which deliverance didn't really have other than deliverance was horrifying yeah yeah yeah. this film involves five um five doctors five surgeons who are all medical school uh cohorts and they go on a week a week long retreat deep deep in the wilderness of north on uh, northern ontario mm-hmm. uh over the summer and they have to fly in um on a um on a uh, seaplane land in the lake get all their crap out uh they are going to be by themselves there are no radios there are no cell phones there is no way out you are in the wilderness for the week. They, of course, the first night they're there, they're the, and they're all, you know, they all have these these very sort of archetype uh, characteristics amongst them. There's the greedy surgeon. There's the sort of bumbling surgeon. There's the arrogant surgeon. There's the humble surgeon. Uh, and I assume the humble surgeon is the one who's the is he the is he your main protagonist? Follow right, and it's Hal Holbrook, of yeah. course, uh, mm-hmm. the right, gr- of the course. great Hal Holbrook. But mm-hmm. the first night, aka co- Abe Lincoln, Abe Lincoln. Uh, yep, they uh, the first night around the campfire, they all they get stoned, they get drunk, they get more drunk. They wake up the next day, all their boots are gone. <laughs> <laughs> their nice. boots are gone. They're stuck in the wilderness. And then they discover that one of the five of them died that night and was strung up that night. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so it's it's 100%, 110% a survival story. And um, even Hal Holbrook noted how physically demanding it was. There's a scene where he has to pull this guy up the river, and he said it took them five days to shoot it. I mean, it. Whoa. When you watch the film, you're physically exhausted because they are, they are, they're climbing, they're swimming, they're drowning, they're falling down. It's deliverance. It's deliverance, but it's like With deliverance. Supernatural twist. Uh, not a supernatural twist. There, oh, okay. There, there is somebody or 
multiple Something. peoples out in the wilderness that they have to they have to contend with. Um, but it it devolves into Hal Holbrook and one of the other characters basically taking one of the last survivors who's fallen into sort of a a catatonic state. They they rig up uh, sort of a a, a gurney uh, to essentially hike him through the wilderness with no shoes, no boots on, and they're all exhausted and bloody and dirty, and then they're having to fight off this other presence. Um, it's a it's an incredible film. TV Guide mm. gave it one out of five stars, calling it yes. a cheap north of the border <laughs> ripoff of Deliverance. And then Leonard Malton, who could not be any more wrong, gave it one point five out of four stars, calling it just simply unpleasant. Uh, that's a that's that's a that's a, uh, what did he a clarion give call for us, right? I don't know what yeah. Leonard Malton gave uh, Deliverance, but I am here to tell Leonard Malton he is like straight up wrong Leonard about Malton, this film. Unlike like the uh, you know Roger Ebert would have his horror movies that he liked, right? right Leonard right. Malton, I don't think I, I I think he's got a disdain for the genre. Oh, I think I think you're I think you're right. I think you're right. Oh, Leonard Malton gave uh, Deliverance four stars. Oh yeah, see oh, there you go. Well, there yeah. you go. Snob. He, he, thought- it said, he said it had two of the most terrifying film villains in history. So we know what Leonard Malton's fear is. Right, 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 right. There are definitely film villains in this, and it's a strange and it's a peculiar tale, which I'm not going to go into because it would be a massive spoiler, other oh. than to say stick around till the very end because it is an absolute shocker. And the whole thing, just getting to uh, the shocker at the end, is an exhausting and to quote Leonard Malton, unpleasant trip through the wilderness. All shot, uh, as I say, in northern Ontario. It did get its premiere. Uh, I think it got its premiere in 1977 in Montreal, and then it was subsequently released uh, in the United States in 1978. Super great film rituals. You can catch it on Shudder. Thank you, Shudder, for curating such a cool nice. film. Eric. All right. Well, since this is Canadian films, I, I, I had walked into this expecting the David Cronenberg Invitational. Oh. And uh, so, you know, I think... So what's your entry? So yeah. Not, yeah. It's, uh, mine, I'm going I'm going to the very beginning. We so will, we're we will not... Judge, we will judge Not you. The Fly, not Videodrome, not uh, The Brood, not oh. Rabbit, not Naked Lunch. Oh, I know what you're doing. Shivers. Oh, I was going to think the other ones that starts with an S. Scanners. Scanners. No, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah right. Now. This one, this is 1975. This is his first yeah. film, um, starring Paul Hampton as uh, Roger St. Luke, the doctor, yep. Lynn Lowry as Nurse Forsyth, his love interest, uh, Joel Sil- Joe Silver, who was terrific as Rollo Linsky, as kind of a skeevy consulting doctor. Right, right. Uh, Alan Coleman as an infected salesman, Susan Petrie as the concerned housewife. And Barbara Steele as yeah. an elegant lesbian dilettante. Yeah. And they are all living in a, at the time, a super modern Montreal um, state-of-the-art building, uh, apartment building, all by themselves on this island. Um, and it is, this this sets the Cronenberg template. Sex, parasites, 
body horror, sex and parasites and body horror, horror all mashed together in <laughs> at the same time. And, and one of the, I think one of the coolest sets ever. Yeah, it is. The, the, it was still actually it, it was a real apartment building. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And they would be having to film around actual residents in there, uh, and considering the the crazy antics that was that made up Shivers, because the the whole notion of Shivers is that. Um, there is a parasite that has been lab cooked up that uh, it's, it's like a leech and it goes for whatever orifice it can crawl into and then it turns you into a lib- libidinous uh, maniac um, and <laughs> essentially brainless sex-craved uh, fiends. Um, and, you know, this was, I think at the time, it was, it was done. But there was a Canadian magazine called Saturday Night and uh, this was it was actually given Canadian funds, and they said, if we need move, to make movies like this to have a Canadian film industry, then we shouldn't have a Canadian film industry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it took a lot of heat. Um, that this thing was it is it is has some really nasty elements to it. It also one of my favorite, and you can check out my my dead list that I had for bathroom horror. Uh-huh. It has the setting the template for bathtub horror scene. Oh yeah. Where Barbara Steele is enjoying a glass of wine, relaxing in the bathtub when a leech crawls up out of the, out of the drain and swims up between her legs. And then, ah, <laughs> it is nasty. And she, she, you know, and of course it, it was, Barbara Steele being the the biggest star here, it was a lot of quick cuts, and then but you knew that yeah that that she got she got invaded by uh, these parasites. Now, one of the things that the reasons why I picked this was I just had the opportunity to see Lynn Lowry, and I got to meet her at at Queer Screams, which was uh, a brand new festival here in Portland. Right, and she uh, actually scooped a lot of dirt on this. She said that she had absolutely zero chemistry with her, with Paul Hampton, and he kept forgetting his lines. And she, when, when, when we asked her, so how is it working with David Cronenberg? And she goes, he was fine. I didn't interact with him much because he had to keep on working with Paul so he could remember his lines. Uh. And, 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 and she goes, what was think? And, and if, you, if, you, you should, if you don't know who Lynn Lowry is, look her up. She's... She looks like a fashion model when she was young. Yeah, and she, yeah, yeah. And she yeah. was like, "Why doesn't? Why isn't he into me? I don't get this." Right, right, right. Um, but she also, she said, she really enjoyed hanging out with Barbara Steele, who she, she said was total a total pro, right. and really classy. And she and both of them really had a blast doing the pool sequence at the end of the film, which is they, that scene is crazy. Where just it's like so bonkers. The the it's it's the whole apartment complex descends on on Paul. Who gets overwhelmed by 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 zombies? Or, it's like a zombie like, sex living. orgy. Yeah, it was an orgy. Zombie in a, sex orgy in a pool <laughs> and a slow motion thing with Lynn Lowry planting the kiss. Right. And the thing is that that, that in classic Cronenbergian fa- fashion, the kiss usually comes with like a bulge of the neck where the where you can see the parasite moving from one mouth, right. and then a bulge in the next person's mouth after they're kissing because the the alien switches. Yeah. Um, the this movie, for a while, was the was Canada's most profitable movie ever. Woo! Uh, and wow. so that's one of the reasons why David Cronenberg went on to a long and storied career. One, the movie also is really pretty cool. Yeah, um, I think it's great. Uh, and rabbits, you know, rabbits, great too, though. Yeah, I mean, I, but I really is, yeah. like I like both of them. Right, I, and and they 
follow similar themes. Oh, sex and parasites. They're and, essentially the same yeah, movie, right? But yeah, all of his yeah, films yeah, have and, similar themes, yeah, right? You know, or or uh, you know, just the you know, my body's falling apart. Um, right, right. The the my favorite bit though was um, when when Tudor Nicholas Tudor the the salesman comes wakes from apparently from the dead. And attacks the 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 assist the the assisting doctor or the the um, the investigating doctor who was uh, uh, Joe Joe Silver and he goes no Tudor no don't no and he's just and he's just bludgeoning him to a to a pulp and um, off screen and it's just. And and actually, uh, Lynn Lowry was saying that was her favorite part in the whole movie too. That's she just funny. she really wished that she had scenes with with uh with joe because he she said he was he was just a uh, a fantastic funny guy to be with yeah so anyways you know you know what's great about this film though is it, it's so like it's it's classic david cronenberg and that he was always you know a futurist and mm-hmm. it's like it bridges this interesting gap between the free love of the 1960s and the aids epidemic of the yep. 1980s and it's yep. this weird sort of middle spot where it's like who would have thought that right. coming out of free love and going into AIDS that this would be on anybody's mind right. in this in this particular way? And yeah, it really does. It is kind of yeah. a, a clarion call to yeah. to to both the yeah. future and the past. And Rabbit and the Fly also follow similar yeah. templates. It's like sure, sure, it yeah. is. I mean, the Fly was post was was height of the AIDS. Epidemic right, 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 that right. That's why um, I say this is like so prescient. Yes, because like the fly is like it's like on the nose. Right. This is this is sort for, of a whole other level of future it. thinking. Yeah. And uh, uh, Mike will appreciate this. Uh, David Cronenberg has accused Dan O'Bannon for copying <laughs> the, the idea of the of the parasite for Alien, and I suspect Dan O'Bannon, if we were alive today, would agree as he references that also. That he he stole from all sorts of movies. He didn't stole, mm-hmm. steal from any one movie. He stole from all of That's them. That's right. Not just Green so, Slime and Shivers, so but that, every goddamn movie out there. So if you're not if you're familiar with Cronenberg, but you haven't seen Shivers, get on it. It 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 is the template setter, and it's it's fun. Yeah, I would say if you've never seen a David Cronenberg film, start with Shivers because it's an easy entry point. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, it only gets weirder and grosser from yeah. from there. Yeah, the the parasite is kind of rubbery, and it looks like it's clearly a little puppet on a string that gets pulled along. Looks like, but it's, you know, it's always it's like, it's like covered in blood, or, and it and it crawls into and and like when it's ha- hanging half out, ha- half out of someone's mouth and it's twitching. Yeah, uh, yeah, they they were having, you know, but they, apparently it was like one guy on a fi- they had a fishing pole. With with the, this giant leech on the other end, and they would jerk it back and forth to make it move. Classic. Yeah, I mean that's like old school, old school practical effects. Or start with scanners. That's the other one. Start with scanners because scanners was like yeah, scanners yeah because scanners predated I think uh, the fly by three years, and it was clear yeah, it was that nineteen eighty two I think nineteen eighty three eighty three yeah, and it was clear Cronenberg had a little bit of money and he could make a more modest. Uh, audience-friendly film. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Scanners, I mean, it's got one of the all-time great head exploding shots. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So go check out his whole catalog, why don't you? That's right. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> Says Eric. Says me, because it's like we're talking Canadians, eh? Liz, right. what is your number two? Okay. 
My number two movie is a movie that has absolutely terrible critical reviews. <laughs> yeah, like it's a it. theme. <laughs> uh, yes, but this is an A24 movie oh. from 2014 starring my personal favorite Canadian, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. This is the Canadian thriller directed by Adam Agoyan, who is a prolific Canadian director, and it's called The Captive. Um, oh, Adam right. Goyen, if the name sounds familiar, he debuted with Exotica and then he made The Sweet Hereafter, which is probably his most famous film about the town where the whole bus full of children gets in an accident and they all die. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's then like them dealing with their grief. This one is about a father played by Ryan Reynolds. It's and his daughter was kidnapped um, eight years prior to. Uh, the opening of the film and it takes place non-linearly so it's him and his uh, estranged wife wife played by Mireille Enos from The Killing Um, there's a pair of cops played by Scott Speedman Canadian actor Mm -hmm. and Rosario Dawson just beautiful American showing up there there are creepy creepy uh, guys who may or may not be involved in the child sex ring Bruce Greenwood handsome Canadian actor and (laughs) Kevin Duran who is such a character actor you'll recognize him he's just a scary looking guy and but not not so, a six foot ten basketball player. No, no, no. <laughs> Kevin no, Durand, Kevin, not Kevin Serge Duran. Yeah, Duran. Okay. Duran. Um, <laughs> and so the the daughter had been abducted nine years before, and through some new technology, they find out that she is still alive and has been used by pedophiles to abduct new children into this ring. Ugh. You do not see any of that kind of stuff. You just see the emotional um, toll it takes on parents of a missing child, the police who are investigating the of- offenders, the priests and prosecutors mm-hmm. investigating the offenders uh, from Law and Order. Uh, the the <laughs> actual yeah, people who are in this horrible ring. Um, so it's kind of three strands being braided together. I think it's a really successful thriller. The uh, film critics did not. They said it should like him making light of such a serious situation. I didn't feel like it was making light of anything like that. It sure. seems like the horror was everybody's <clears throat> worst nightmare. Um, and uh, it does have a happy ending. So that's good. But I really like it. I think it's a super successful thriller. It's set in uh, Niagara Falls, Ontario, so it is in Canada. It that counts. Has sure. Ice skating. Ba- it barely, has snow. Barely. Buffalo's yeah. <laughs> <So. laughs> practically Canada. Isn't it? Yeah, but um, yeah, Canadian cast, Canadian setting, Canadian director, Canadian, and it's a twenty-four. So I saw it when it came out in the theater in twenty fourteen. It got a limited release, and I enjoyed it. What year was this done? Twenty fourteen. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I mean, so that was early in the A twenty four era. Yeah, and Ryan yeah. Reynolds yeah. was already in. He he was already a star. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't know what year. That's probably why I went to see it. But <laughs> Dan Wilder is the first Ryan Reynolds movie. I right. Um, but it kind of went around. He did that one buried recently after it. So it kind of right. like little one man shows for him. Uh, I I like it. I think it's good performances from almost everybody. Adam Agoyan old also puts his wife in all his movies. Normally mm-hmm. she's very good, but she's not in this. She's not Sherry Moon zombie level, but she's not yeah. great. Uh, so if you're interested in that kind of film, it's 
if you want to watch a depressing thriller, you know, pair this with, uh, what's the one? Um, prisoners? Prisoners. Like, yeah. How did that like slip my mind? And you'll have the most bummer of a day you could ever yeah. have. <laughs> Just stay away, I love it. Stay away from uh, downers if you're doing that. And don't don't yeah. drink anything because yeah. otherwise you just you'll, you won't wake up. Right. Yeah. Prisoners is a perfect movie, though. This one's not perfect, uh, but it's really good. In my opinion, I'm not a critic. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, you're, you're a critic with, with a, your star ascendant. There you go, Liz. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so. You are a critic, right. 100%. You're, you're good enough. You're smart enough. Gosh darn it. Hey, I think you're critical like enough. Super Canadian. Yeah. You are yeah. critical so. enough. Yeah. Uh, all right, this is a film. Uh, this is a 1961 film. Eric asked... What was the first Canadian film? I'm going to tell you. Canadian horror film. Canadian horror film. I'm going to tell you what the first Canadian horror film is. This was originally released as, or it was re-released as The Eyes of Hell. And I don't want to hear anybody say that we stole this idea, but it was also re-released as The Spooky Movie Show. We did not. (laughs) This is not where we got Spooky Time with the Scariest Things podcast from. That was our own idea, and we haven't copyrighted it, so yeah. don't steal it. But we didn't steal it from yeah. this film, which was the 1961 Canadian surrealist horror film called The Mask. This was The Mask, was so it's not the first Canadian film of all time, and it's not the first Canadian horror film. Per, 1961, per, they finally got into film. What's this film thing? Like, What's yeah. this? Moving yeah. pictures? No way. This was the first time that a film entirely produced by Canadians and filmed in Canada received wide international distribution. Okay. So oh. that's that's the first here. The film was distributed by international film distributors in Canada, and then Warner Brothers picked it up internationally in 1961 and man it is a William Castle-esque oddity of a film that I wandered into as I was researching the best Canadian horror films and everything I came kept coming across that you got to see this movie it's funny because the film is both incredibly remarkable and also sort of simultaneously like kind of boring but it, it basically involves a psychiatrist, Dr. Alan Barnes, who comes across a mysterious ancient tribal mask after one of his patients committed suicide as a result of continually putting the mask on. And if you haven't guessed it already, the mask is a metaphor for addiction. But the film itself, so the doctor ends up with the mask, this weird-looking skull-like mask. Yeah, it looks awesome. I'm, I'm yeah. DBing it right now. Which is actually, it technically, it's based on some you know South American artifact that that exists in IRL. Um, but this is um, what what happens when you put the mask on, and the the William Castle element that I referenced earlier, uh, what happens is the film slips into 3D and a voice comes over the screen and it says, put the mask on now. <laughs> and then everybody that went into the theater was, was given this mask, this like 3D glasses this in green it? mask that had 3D glasses in it. You would put the mask on and then you would slide into, I, I kid you not, some of the craziest psychedelic scenes I've ever seen in my life and they're all in 3D. 
He slips the mask Overlook, off. Overlook, if you're listening, please yeah. make this the yeah. next. I know. Like, the William Castle experience do. with the yeah. Tingler was so yeah. good. Yeah, this yeah. this like this totally outshines the Tingler. He he slips the mask on three times. So three times throughout the film, you slip into this weird, weird psychedelic odyssey that does not. There's no dialogue, and it does not make a goddamn bit of sense at all, and. It's just to see it uh, uh, is to believe it. It's it's pretty it's pretty darn incredible. Um, some of the critics uh, were not exactly favorable. <laughs> Another theme about Here the film, primarily because <laughs> of they felt that a lot of the nightmare sequences were you know quote tacky uh, and that um, uh, the globe the globe and uh, Brad Wheeler of the Globe and Mail. Uh, said that it was a limited to genre fetishists, which I love that term, and I mm-hmm. consider myself to be a genre fetishist. Uh, limited to genre fetishists and popcorn chomping ironists, which I guess Ironous? I'm ironists, 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 irony. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I think I'm definitely a genre fetish fetishist and fetishist. a popcorn chomping ironist. Ironist. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Chris uh, Koffel of Bloody Disgusting did say that, uh, you know, the psychedelic visuals and the B-movie elements that were brought to the table in the same vein as William Castle made it very, very enjoyable. We will uh, post, when we post this episode, we will definitely be posting a picture of the mask yes, that, that the audiences have to wear because it, yeah. it is an absolute I, I, hoot. I bet you you could... Hunt on eBay. For, oh, and try to try to fun, get fun, trying to get one of those masks, uh, or someone can do a replica because you know yeah. everything's everything's getting redone nowadays for yeah for uh, uh, you know uh, comic cons and stuff like that. Someone's right. going to be making one of those. I, this is all I will say, and I, I've kind of hinted at this already, but it really is a remarkable film in that you know in 1961 we talk we talk a lot about 1961. You know, we talk about. Uh, uh, um, <clears throat> Peeping Tom. We talk about Psycho. We talk about all these, you know, films of the time. Man, this is this is far weirder and far wilder than either of those films ever was. And it's kind of hard to think that, God, this was made in 1961. It's pretty pretty darn. The bonkers. Canadians, I don't think, were probably subject to the uh, the Hayes Code. Um. There's a whole there. Uh, it's funny you mention that because there is a whole sort of secondary uh, subtext to this film and the Hayes Code and why this was one of the first Canadian horror films ever produced. Look it up online and take a deep dive into The Mask. There you go. Because, yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, um, Peeping Tom, British film, uh, Black right. Sunday, Italian film. Yep. These are the films that were sort of knocking the pins down of yep. the of the Hayes Code. So exactly. This exactly. one this one got to play play in that same that That's same, right. That's uh, right. Sandbox. Yep. All right. Well, um, before I step into my next uh, film, I had I forgot one other great little tidbit from Shivers. Oh yeah. Um, so apparently, one of the things that David Cronenberg liked to do, or or as a young director, the only way he knew how to motivate and, and get one of his young, young actresses to cry was to slap her. Oh, and oh. and that That's was the William Friedkin. Yeah, is, special. This is this is like old Lars school Lonshire. directors kind yeah. of kind of stuff. And um, uh, 
Lynn Lowry was all, he said, Hey, do you, do you need me to slap you around to get you crying? It's like, no, I can act. And so it's like, it's like, there's a Good smack. And, and Cronenberg's still yeah. making movies. Well, we but the thing is that, he probably, right. but here's the, here's the best part is that he probably stopped that kind of a nonsense because when Susan Petrie, after she got, got slapped around, Barbara Steele got, got word of it. And she lifted up Cronenberg by his lapels and threatened to beat the shit out of him. Woo! <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, ooh, man, that would be, that'd be great on your tombstone. It's like, I got beaten up by Barbara Steele. So anyways, that was just a fun, another fun little aside. Yes, it's like for the, the, the S&M-y kind of things. Barbara Steele. All right. So the, uh, the next movie that I have on my, my docket is, actually contains the name of a Canadian town in it. Do you what? know what that would be? Hmm, hang on. Thank you. Uh, mm. Oh, it's got a town, not a province. Nope. It's Pontypool, Ontario. Oh, oh yeah. Directed yeah, yeah, by yeah. Bruce McDonald, starring Stephen McHattie as Grant Mazzy, a radio shock jockey. That's right. And his uh, his producer, uh, Lisa Houle, playing Sydney Sydney Breyer, and uh, his technical assistant, uh uh, Georgina Riley, uh, who plays Laurel Ann, and the three of them are going through their routines and in the radio station, being the voice of Pontypool. Um, and he's a he. They're they're actually sort of horsing around and talking with their uh, their man in the air, who's actually just a guy who's beating his beating his chest to make a helicopter noise. Uh, for the radio, and uh, word comes in that people are acting very strange, and that they're attacking people, and that they're biting people, and um, it, it it it's it's largely done like a it not surprisingly a radio play, right? Uh, it, it greatly inspired by um, the Orson Welles production of War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Uh, was. Um, you got to listen to, and and you could imagine, and it, and it was so terrifying for people that, you know, famously, people thought that actually the, we were being invaded by Martians and right. were panicking, um, and and you you get that same kind of a narrative um, style with a lot of the the dialogues between Grant Mazzy and his mm-hmm. audience who who are calling in, and eventually st- they start repeating words, right. And they start, they start, stop making sense, and it turns out that that there's that what is driving them mad is that there's a there's a virus being transmitted along with along the, through the English language, and, right? And it was kept, and and it's the ultimate, it's the earworm that you that drives you literally crazy, right? Um, so it's this fascinating idea of, and 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 this was I, I think originally. Based on a novel by Tony Burgess uh, called Pontypool Changes Everything. Right. Um, and there's the the thing that I really loved about this movie. It, it, it's a stage drama. Yeah. And it's um, it's still and there's this the 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 there's the the, the quiet. Um, and and when I when I talked about the vastness and the isolation of Canadian life. Uh, this this really felt like it, right? This is it's cold and snowy out. And, yeah, yeah, for and sure. And you felt that these people were sort of trapped in this little community in northern Ontario, and um, they couldn't. Just like, what the hell is going on? You know, and then and then 
you know, the Laurel Ann goes, starts, she, she picks it up and she starts going crazy and she starts, she bites off her own bottom lip and she starts, and so that everybody sort of holds up inside, inside the sound booth and there's a doctor who comes in, um, who, who announces, I think I figured out what it is. And they, you know, it was kind of like, what? Okay. Well, I'll, we'll roll with it, but it is, um, I think it's, 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 Lyrical in the way mm-hmm. that, that this thing plays out. Yeah, I yeah. loved um, just the Stephen McHattie just chews up the scenery, and he like and they, they do lots of close ups with him in the microphone, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's got that voice is wonderful voice, voice for radio. Yeah, yeah it's, it's wonderful. It's uh, yeah, he he could you know he he, he could have been. Yes, that's right, that's right. And um, the, the what again? But he but he also when you know when like he would get. You know his 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 inflections and his and the the watching watching him act out to the microphone was was a real treat. Um, it it's a it's kind of a short short story in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel like I think this would be right up you guys' alley. It was, yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was like mm-hmm. a, like an eighty minute film, but um, yeah, I think this one this one captured sort of the essence of trapped in a Canadian town, right? Uh, and doing zombies, but not zombies, and saying something about. You know, because I forget what song it was. Oh, that's I had, I had an awful song caught in my head the other day. It was uh, Jennifer Lopez. Let's get loud. <laughs> and I just, I don't awful. know what. Like, what? Let's, yeah. It's like, how can I, how can I get this out of my head? Ah, ah, ah. Let's get loud. Let's get loud. <laughs> it's like you put it and in everybody like, else's no, head. No, okay. So there you go. If you if you all of a sudden go insane because of let's get loud, it's Pontypool and Eric Lee's fault. <laughs> so, Pontypool, two thousand eight. Oh, it's one. it's a it, this that it is a treat. It's uh, um, not hard to find. You should be able. Two thousand eight. It's that old. Mm-hmm. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, it is. That's yeah. No, I liked. Yeah, I liked the fact that it was sort of set. It was like a sort of a almost like a one. It was like a one act play mm-hmm. set in a single location. Right. I thought that yeah. was that was a pretty clever element. And the studio lighting, where the booth is brightly lit and the rest of the studio is dark, mm-hmm. I think was a really good set design. And it yeah, felt, it felt like it really did feel like a Broadway set. In fact, somebody mm-hmm. hey. There you go. Someone could do a stage play of this. A stage play, for sure. You totally could do that. Oh, you know what my. I think this movie would pair really well with is Vast of Night. Yes, it would. Yeah. Like, that would be a really good double feature. Yes. Well, you know, you know what it actually... The, um, the talking. Like and the, the, and the visual and sense. And the, and, and, yeah. and, the, and, and the fact that you can you just you sink into those is monologues, these fantastic monologues. No, that was uh, New Mexico. Yeah. Oh, that's right. No, you know what it kind of reminded me of when I first watched it—a very non-horror film uh, with Andy Griffith in the late '50s called *Face in the Crowd*. Because mm. I thought the whole spoken word thing was an allegory for kind of right-wing AM radio politics, right? And oh, that's, sure. And that's how you get how all these like crazy conspiracy theories get passed on and people become rabid as a result of hearing all this garbage constantly uh, I coming think through. I think you're the, on to something. I like, really I like that. that. Well, it's yeah. based on a book. Like, and I actually think it's yeah. a trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Pony oh. Pool changes everything. That's okay. the yeah. name of the book. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, Liz. Liz, books. what do you got? Okay. What do you got? For my final film, I think this might be the most polarizing, and I'm putting in air quotes, <laughs> movie that has come out 
recently. Um, oh, oh, I know it. I know. Owen what it is. Gleiberman from Variety <laughs> said it's a film that asks for and rewards patience and can therefore invite revolt. Yet, if you go with it, you may feel that you've touched the uncanny. Oh, and this I know, yeah. is 2022's Skinnamarink. Yep. Um, 2022 slash 2023. So this is written and directed by Kyle Edward Ball. It's filmed in his childhood home in Edmonton, Canada. He also is a youngster. He is 31 years young. Go Oilers. And, yeah. yeah. This <laughs> film <laughs> debuted last summer at Fantasia. I got to uh, see it when I was screening that. And then it got uh, pirated. So it ended up showing up on YouTube and like parts of it were on TikTok and all that's where I saw it. Like, is this real? I saw, yeah, I like saw the, the pirated internet. copy. Yeah. Oh, shame, yeah. Michael. Shame. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? I thought that's what we were supposed to be doing. <laughs> no. Um, so then AMC and IFC, who owns IFC Midnight, picked it up and they released it in the United States and Canada in January of this year. It was shot for $15,000 and has grossed at the time of the Wikipedia was update updated about a million dollars. So did really, really well. Um, and so the quote unquote plot is uh, in 1995, four year old Kevin uh, injures himself in what his six year old sister Kaylee says is a sleepwalking episode. They go to the hospital and he's brought back home. And when they wake up in the middle of the night, they find that their father has disappeared and so have the windows, the doors, and other objects in their house. So it's really just two kids who you never really see full on in their house, kind of sitting in front of their TV the middle of the night looking for their parents and doors and windows and things are going away. And you hear voices, you hear sounds, you hear... uh, you know, knocking upstairs, um, the toilet disappears, like weird stuff keeps happening and nothing happens. Uh, <laughs> but everything the main star happens. of the film is that little, it's called the chatter telephone. You know what it is. It's yeah. that the tiny Fisher, Fisher toy Price that has TV. little yeah, eyes telephone. that go back and forth. It yep, rings yep. really, really loud. Um, it's, an experimental art film. It is 100 minutes long. And when I got to see it in the theater, dead quiet, not one peep out of anybody. I was super fully immersed. When I saw it for Fantasia, I kind of multitasked and was like, what is this? I mean, I'm trying to watch a film that's completely in the dark inside of my house. You can't see what's happening. Right. Because I don't have a theater. So I just. Very little dialogue. Yeah. Oh, my God. Probably, if you counted it, like 20 words of dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, when you said to your other film that there was no dialogue and it doesn't make a bit of sense at all, like, (laughs) that could be. Skin and ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I think that um, it was cool as hell. It was creepy as hell. Like, I agree. If you are willing to sit there and you get to see it in a quiet, quiet room that's super dark and... You just want to have the feeling of it wash over you and you just like weird, creepy shit. You're going to like this. If you want a slasher film or a plot driven movie, this is not for you. 
No, but. absolutely not. Yeah, you know, the the first time I, I saw it, I was really frustrated with it, I think, as a lot of people were. But then I kind of went back and rewatched uh, sort of the latter part of it, which does mm-hmm. kind of pick up towards the end. And I was like, I, I gave it a little bit more grace and thought, okay, well, may, maybe I was being a little too hard on the experimental nature of it. But do you, Liz, do you think this is this going to wind up on your uh, end of the yes. year best of list? All right. Yes, it will. Um, and right. I'll put a little asterisk next to it that technically it came out in 2022, but it wasn't released until 2023. No, I, I considered a 2023 film because it's sure. a theatrical release. It's going to end up on your end of the year list. Mm, there's a lot of good films, maybe. Yeah. It's, okay. I, oh, okay. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Again, that it, it <clears throat> I got sleepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. got sleepy. I think it either you need to be like completely in the dark with your headphones on on your laptop little screen immersed or you need to be in a theater yeah. like watching it on the big screen. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel like it's divisive in the way that we're able to view it also. Yeah. Like I saw it streaming it, and that was and yeah. on my couch and it was just like you know, I thought it was fascinating. You know, I think yeah. I have the same kind yeah. of a thing. Like Mad God for me was right. was was that kind of a thing where it was uh, didn't make a whole lot of sense. Didn't make any sense, but right. it was a visual spectacle, and it was mm-hmm. the ideas. I mean, it was still the fact that it had no plot didn't take away from <clears> the <throat> artistry and the messaging and and some of the you know the stunning stuff that they showed, and yet there was no story. Yeah, uh, right, and it right. was, and and that that one also made me sleepy at times. But it right, was, right, right. I I think I have a great deal of respect for both of them. One of them, the little the little film that could from Canada, and the other one, a le- lifetime experiment by the greatest one of the greatest animators mm-hmm. uh, uh, that Hollywood isn't known doing his doing the weird disgusting stuff that that couldn't be shown on you know for most right. audiences. Yep. But I just think for me. I normally, you know, I like police procedurals. I like a plot. Like this is not my kind of movie, but may, I really, really loved yeah. it. Yeah, there was an, there was something darkly enchanting about it. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, darkly Ooh, enchanting. I like that. Mm. All right, well, let me uh, let me wake you guys up. Okay, uh, right. <laughs> sleepy heads with a 1981 Canadian slasher film directed by. George Mahalka and written by John Beard. This is my bloody Valentine, starring. Oh, I didn't know that was Canadian. Starring Paul oh, yeah. Kelman, Lori Hallier, and Neil Affleck, who is also in Scanners. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, the plot tells the uh, the the film is about a, a group of young adults who decide to throw a Valentine's party, only to incur the wrath of a maniac in mining in mining gear who begins a killing spree. That he started, maybe started twenty years earlier. Uh, this was all shot in the uh, shot on location in the Sydney mines in Nova Scotia uh, in 1980, and mm. it shows. I know that when they were uh, when they were looking for uh, film locations, they looked at a bunch of different ones, uh, but they decided to uh, they they. Uh, they landed on the Princess uh, Collier Mine in Sydney Mines, uh, Nova Scotia. I guess the city is literally named Sydney Mines. Hmm. Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia. And apparently the mine had closed in 1975. Uh, so because 
the other mine was in Glacier Bay, Nova Scotia, and still functional. They decided this would be a lot easier to do uh, all of the uh, the film work, plus the one that they finally landed on was much more dreary and cold and dusty, and there was no buildings around. And so to your point, Eric, it did mm-hmm. create that very isolated, remote. rural, remote yeah. Canadian kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, the film, I loved this little factoid. They, uh, so they, the, um, when they released it, of course, at the height of the uh, slasher epidemic of the 1980s, they wanted uh, the, I can't remember if it was the producer or somebody else wanted uh, something slightly different. And they were like, no, no, no. Uh, they wanted to, they wanted to call it something completely differently. Uh, as well. And then they said, no, 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 no. This is getting named after a holiday. And did they release it on, uh, for the, the Valentine's weekend? Oh yeah. 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 It got released. It was theatrical, theatrically released on February 11th, 1981 by Paramount Pictures. But, uh, they initially wanted to just do it as a straight up slasher film and not tie it at all to, uh, to Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. <laughs> but when the film originally was, uh, they, they tried to slide it through uh, the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, uh, with an R rating, they the MPAA required cuts to every single film mm-hmm. or every single scene in the film. And even after they did that, they still came back and said, nope, it's still rated X, and you still need to cut more. <laughs> wow! Dang! Is there a director's cut? There is a direct there. You think there is a director's it. cut that okay. was just released on 4K? I think like last... Vinegar Syndrome or something like no, that. No, not yeah, Vinegar that's Syndrome. Like something they would do though. Uh, but yeah, it was released last. I think it was last year on 4K, and mm-hmm. you can see. I don't know how much of the original original um, uh, cut. Uh, mm-hmm. was made it into the 4K release, but I think quite a bit of it did. Um, and there was even, so there was obviously the sequel that we saw, the, yep. uh, My Bloody Valentine in 3D. It was good. But in 2021, uh, there was a, a fan-made film called Valentine Bluff, Valentine's Bluff, which takes place 40 years after the events of the original film. And follows some of the same characters. So, yeah, my bloody Valentine is that one can, that one special Canadian film that keeps on giving. Not only is it shot in a mine, it's in Nova Scotia, but I think, and this was not something that the MPAA cut out of the film, but in almost every single scene, somebody has a moosehead logger. <laughs> In their <laughs> hand, <laughs> a moose head or a cigarette, and everybody does have a flannel shirt on throughout the entire film. So this is—I don't think you're going to find a more Canadian Canadian horror film. There you go. Well, yeah. uh, maybe we will. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we will. Well, I've—I've I've got a movie that uh, that you reviewed. Um, Probably, I think this is a 2019 film, I believe. Blood Quantum. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, this mm. is Aboriginal Native Canadian take on the zombie apocalypse. So good. Uh, and the un- sad, sad to say that the director, Jeff Barnaby, uh, died last year. I think he had cancer. Oh. So, uh, yeah. So he, 
he he really hit a lot of the right notes with this one, and I think so good because the the long and sad story of the native peoples of this continent and what they got put through, um, and you know if you think that the 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 notorious European conquistadors, furriers, and colonizers brought plagues of diseases that nearly destroyed the native peoples of the Western Hemisphere with smallpox, cholera, influenza, measles, scarlet fever, syphilis, just to name a few, that they had no defenses for. And it essentially, you know, crippled the populations mm-hmm. and made, you know, frankly made it easier to, call it to for westward expansion. Um, the premise of this is tables have turned. Yeah. Uh, this time it's the it's the native peoples who are resistant to a strain of virulent of a virus that's turning uh, turning non non indigenous peoples into zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, just and this so pretty much straight up classic zombies. Um, and the 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 question comes, you know, the whether these communities, the, the the tribal communities, are going to allow uh, the the vulnerable Caucasians who are begging to be let in uh, to pass the defenses, uh, whether they they see it in their hearts to let them to 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 give them refuge. And there are splits within the community. There are some which is this is the right thing to do. It's the human thing to do. And it's like fuck them. Right. No. After after all we've gone through, this is our time to rise. And yep. And uh, and those tensions are beautifully played out. Of course, there's a young, young hothead named Lysol, uh, played by Keoa Gordon, who really steals the show as the angry young, uh, the young man who, essentially, puts the whole community at risk by sabotaging things to get rid of uh, the 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 whiteies, right? As it were, to get you know that they they they. Because the fact of the matter is, you may be immune to the disease, but you're not immune to the violence. Right. Right. The zombies are still dangerous. Um, and, you know, I think this, there are some, some the, the beautiful allegories aside, it's a great zombie movie. Oh, it's so good. And the, so good. Um, I particularly like, there's the big, the big stoic, you always have to have the big stoic Indian guy. Right. Brandon Oaks plays Bumper, and he's got a, He's got a he's got a, a brand new chainsaw that he puts to great use. It is a lot of fun. It's really bloody, um, but it's you know I think that there's all there's there's some there's a good love story in there between there's the other because the the Lysol the 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 main character is, um, well there's actually there's there's, there's a father son combination right and they and and they they are the ones who are the voices of reason. But they still have a, f- a full understanding of what this means to their to their community, and it's and it's great because you can follow along. I mean, partly it's like you don't necessarily want to get educated in a, in a zombie movie, but it's mm-hmm. it's poignant, and it and um, I was it's like and in, and in, in in a way, it's kind of like you know the, the, when they when when the tribe goes full hero mode, it it's it's a wonderful ride, but it also carries with it you know the the this this dark kind of the the and and it's almost like a like a like the Black Panther, uh, uh, Kill Eric Killmonger, who yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Who, who plays a a villain who goes, we've been wronged, 
Yeah. And these are my grievances and I'm going to and 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 I'm going to make them pay. Right. And you can to- it was a totally understandable point of view, totally understandable point of view from from this guy Lysol. And I just thought that this was uh just a a wonderful take on this. And and we've had a few My number one film of 2020. Yeah. Oh, there number you go. one. Oh, wow. Okay. Number one film, yeah. yeah. I like the fact that the the origin of the zombie outbreak was super unclear too, yep. where it was like uh, it's not a virus. It's not some sort of government concocted conspiracy. It's not science. It's just that the planet is sick of our shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I thought. I thought. What environmental result? That the Earth is 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 uh, cleaning house. Right. It's like what a great way to tie back to Native American traditions and their connection to. Yeah. You know, they get they get spared because the, first, they people's have, yes. 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 first people's yeah, traditions. Yes. First people's traditions. And there's all these the the the, the kinds of terminology. The first nations. First nations. Like yeah. In Canada, I think it's that's that's the. Yeah. Uh, you see that a lot. If you go up to Vancouver, they've got a great great ex, uh, exhibition in the Natural History Museum where they're trying to preserve. First, Na- the speech of First Nations, because there's so many tribes, right. and trying to keep it alive. And so, you're. This was, um, it's. It was refreshing. The, the there was another one, and I'm trying to remember the 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 that was the Inuit one that I watched that was part of South by Southwest from last year. It's named escaping um, me now. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Oh uh, that was two years ago, yeah. Eric. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, time, time is flying past. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, slashback. Slashback. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That is another one that was, and, and it, it felt felt refreshing because it's just another point of view, or even prey from last year. It's yeah. like okay, mm-hmm. all right, you know, it's like like representation, was, but representation when it actually feels integral to the story and tells a great story is a winner. Yeah. Was uh was prey shot in Canada? Yes. Oh. Uh, oh. It that... was shot in in uh, in Manitoba. Okay. Yeah, because it's like there's not, you know, if you want, if you're looking for untouched Rocky Mountain wilderness, right? You know, it's like Colorado. You might find some, maybe in Wyoming, but you know, it's like no roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It had to look like had to look like the 17th century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Anyhow, blood, blood, quantum. You know that that's that's the other side of uh, Canadian uh, Canadian horror. eh? Yeah. Uh, A couple of I want to throw out a couple of also's. Yeah. Um, Anything for Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh yeah. I think I think the great thing That's for so it, good. That was on my top ten uh, list of whatever year yeah. that was. Anything for Jackson <laughs> really plays on. I think that was also twenty twenty. Twenty twenty, yeah, yeah. And, and and it's nice Canadians mm-hmm. doing yeah. satanic things. Right, right, right. And for the good of bringing back their grandson. Right. That's right. And I talked about. I almost went to. Th- I'm going to go two episodes sort of in a row, uh, mentioning backcountry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this yeah. is this is another one. This is again scariest scariest bear ever, and it's all about the noise. It's mm-hmm. like it's like the, there's like a quick cuts, but you like when you hear someone screaming and it sounds like they're just being ripped apart, mm-hmm. and you hear the bear going for it. Yeah, you can picture it. It's like Jaws. It's like the opening sequence in Jaws where the where the girl gets pulled under from the shark. Yeah, bear does the same thing. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly played. And then yeah, Hammer of the Gods, last one. Which was a bunch of bunch of uh, washed up musicians go out to to the Canadian wilderness to do tabs of acid and fi- and and rekindle their their uh, their musical 
uh, mojo and it fails and instead it summons a bunch of, uh, of of spirits that come out and destroy them. So There you go. Yeah, Hammer of the Gods slash Archons. They changed the name of that thing. I'm going to mention two films that were super weird and were very close to making my list mm. and it was Pin from 1989 which is a really bonkers film. Pin is short for Pinocchio. Oh, uh, holy moly. Yeah, it is a it's a wild film from 1989. You can see it on, uh, and it stars uh, Terry O'Quinn from Lost. Yep. Uh, mm. You you can see it on uh, YouTube. There's a ripped copy on YouTube. And, and he then, was the stepfather, wasn't he? Yeah. And then Kathy. Does he play Pinocchio? No, Does no. Does he play Geppetto? Oh, okay. No, he plays. Does he play the whale? He, <laughs> he, plays, he plays a physician that has basically <laughs> one of the anatomically correct <laughs> dummies who is his effectively his Pinocchio. Oh, ew. Yeah, oh. it's super weird. And then uh, Kathy's Curse from 1977. Both of those are sort of Hallmark, like Hallmark movie channel-esque, almost made for TV movies, but mm-hmm. they are super duper weird and very quintessentially Canadian in both cases. I you, you just I mentioned sort of the Hallmark movies. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll go to Liz. But the anything for Jackson, the director, uh, Justin K. Uh, Dyke, uh-huh. um, his stock and trade, and he's done dozens of them, are Hollywood or uh, uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. That's right. The ro- I think the they film them movies. like all in Canada. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And so it's, you got to have like, a Christmas tree farm. You got to have the snow. Yeah. Like, you got to like, always have like, your cup yeah. of coffee. Dependable, yeah. de- dependable snowfall. And, but it's like also a, han- got, a guy that looks handsome in a plaid. Right. Right. Flannel. Right. That's right. And there's like and there's like usually like a, a princessy type of longing yeah. and and the perfect man who's and like the the, the the woman who's like, I have to ditch my career to, uh-huh. to to find my to find my true self and find romance. Yep. Hallmark. We will not be doing <laughs> an leave episode. leave the big city and go to Canada. <laughs> we will not be doing an episode on that. That's that's for I'll that's, bring a, that's back a diff- around. That's a different <laughs> wheel of wheel of misfortune. Yeah. Another one that I really like uh, that is actually not set in Canada, but it's a Canadian team and Canadian actors is Grave Encounters. Oh yeah, yeah. Brothers. And uh, I believe the film of. It was like they're going to investigate a thing that's in like Minnesota or something. So mm-hmm. I don't know why, but um, everything else about it is Canadian. So yeah. that's a, found, a that's fun what, found footage. That that that's a part of the triumvirate of um, paranormal encounters, uh, and and I think I would put it with Insidious and it doesn't belong in the same pantheon as Blair Witch, but that's that's a big ask. But, but mm-hmm. Grave Encounters is really good fa- uh, found footage. Yeah. Now, I have not seen, I believe there's two sequels that yeah, I have not seen. I've seen, seen the first but. two. They're both they're both pretty solid. I mean, it's you get yeah. what you, you get what you pay for, right? It, it's you know that there's that they're actually going out there doing yeah, the ghost hunting. Their budget was 120,000. Really, I'm looking at their Wikipedia. And, so. and they those must have made 10 million dollars at least. Yeah. They got more than what they paid for on that. <laughs> totally. Maybe it was Canadian dollars, which so, yeah, now there you I go. think are better. Yeah. I don't know. Loonies. <laughs> That's what they call them, isn't it? Are those, are those, are those the fifty cent pieces, the loonies? That's uh, a dollar piece. The, the, the do- yeah, the yeah, Canadian yeah. dollars a loony. Yeah. So Liz, huh. uh, rumor has it that you've got a good tagline. Oh boy, do I! My tagline that I'm going to take us out with is from curtains, and it is six beautiful girls trying to get ahead. When the curtains fall, 
five will be dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>